Welcome to Move Forward Radio, a show featuring interviews with physical therapists and other healthcare experts. This program is brought to you by MoveForwardPT.com, the official consumer information website of the American Physical Therapy Association. Learn how physical therapists can help people of all ages and abilities reduce pain and improve and restore motion to achieve long-term quality of life at MoveForwardPT.com. Welcome to Move Forward Radio. I'm Jason Bellamy. In the March 2014 issue of Runner's World, one of the magazine's editors serves as a test subject. For a feature titled The Whole Body Fix, Katie McDonald Knights, a longtime recreational runner who has dealt with her share of injuries, visited the new Run Smart Clinic in Manhattan, where a team of musculoskeletal and movement experts put her through numerous tests to assess her overall strengths and weaknesses. Katie went in with a troublesome hamstring, and she came out with a realization that she needed to awaken her inactive glutes. In today's episode, Katie recounts her experience at RunSmart, and we hear from James Koo, one of the many physical therapists Katie met at the specialized clinic. James describes the importance of glute strength in runners and why the source of the pain isn't always the root of the problem. As always, information from our guests is for informational purposes only and shouldn't be used as a substitute for individual treatment by a medical professional. With that, here's our interview with Katie McDonald-Knights and James Koo. Katie, you're an editor for a magazine that's written specifically for runners, so I guess it's probably not surprising that you run it yourself. Just to sort of establish this from the start, give me a sense of how serious a runner are you? What's your running background? Sure. I've been running for about 15 years or so. I'm a very casual recreational runner. I have done 10 marathons and about, I would say, maybe 20, 25 half marathons. But in terms of speed and competitiveness, I do them for pure enjoyment, for the social fitness aspect of it. I'm not a competitor, not really concerned about my time so much as other people are. But I do like to do them injury-free if possible. That's my main goal. Well, and to run a marathon at any speed, you have to put in some pretty serious training. So how often over that 15 years have you battled injuries? I would say the past five or six years is when I've been really struggling with a specific injury related to my hamstring, and I don't think it's a coincidence that over that period of time I had two children, so I went through two pregnancies, which definitely changes your body, and I ran through the pregnancies, so I suspect that maybe some changes that were going on with my body during those pregnancies, I might have put an extra strain on my muscles just because my running gait had changed, and I also think I was probably a little too eager to get back into my routine after I had the children, and so my body, I'm sure, was probably still healing, and I wasn't getting adequate rest, so I think those things probably contributed. So you're an experienced runner, you're an informed runner. You go to do this feature for the March 2014 issue of Runner's World where you visit this clinic, Run Smart, which is state-of-the-art in Manhattan, and it's meant for runners just like you. And we'll talk about the clinic later, but as you go into this Run Smart experience, you've had this hamstring injury in the past, and how flared up it was when you went in. But what problems do you think you have at that point? That's a great question. I was so focused on my hamstring. My hamstring, specifically my right one, had very poor flexibility. I could feel it about maybe two miles into any run. Actually, I went to the clinic maybe about a week before I ran a half marathon. So I was still able to get some good distance in, but it would start tightening and 
becoming painful maybe about two miles into a run, and I just would deal with it and put it out of my mind and carry on. Because uh, when you work at Runner's World, you <laughs> like to run, and, and all your coworkers are running. It's a, a positive peer pressure, but nonetheless, I, I didn't want to be sidelined. And so I went in really, really focused on my hamstring and was looking for some advice on how to get over what I thought was specifically a hamstring strain. So you think it's a strain, and did you think you pulled it or it was weakness, but you think it's all, at this point, pretty much tied to your hamstring? Exactly, exactly. And I had been through some physical therapy in the past, and it was all very much focused on targeting my hamstring and strengthening it, so I just expected that it would be more of that. I thought maybe I need to do yoga and stretch it. I'm not very good at adapting a regular stretching regimen, so I thought that might be some advice I would go home with. So your article begins with this great story. You're going through a barrage of screening tests, and in one of them you're asked to do something that seems fairly simple. You're asked to lift your back leg and basically use your glutes to power the move and, and describe what happens. Yeah, exactly right. I, Like I said, I was a couple days away from running a half marathon. I thought I was pretty strong, even though... I had this hamstring issue, and so I'm lying on a table, and a physical therapist at the clinic asked me to raise my leg using my glutes, which was the key point and, and was the purpose of her test because she suspected what was wrong, um, what was truly wrong with me. And so I lifted my leg without an issue and was kind of like, ta-da, that's it, yay for me. And she informed me that I was using my hamstring and my back muscles to lift my leg. I didn't squeeze my glutes at all. And so she explained, I lowered back down my leg, and she explained that in order to lift it using my glutes, I needed to activate my glutes by squeezing my butt while it was lying down, while my leg was lying down, and squeeze my glutes and power the move through my glutes. And I could not do that. I could not squeeze my glutes at all. I couldn't squeeze my butt, which sounds ridiculous that a runner wouldn't be able to do that, but I couldn't. So I credit the clinic in giving me that very eye-opening moment that really made me realize where my weakness was and how much work I had to do to get better. Well, and I think that's kind of the theme that comes out in, in your article, and hopefully it'll come out in the discussion today. So here you are, you're putting in all these miles. You seem to be a fit runner with only this one hamstring problem. The last thing you think is you have this large muscle set that isn't working at all, and you discover this basically in the process of trying to do a simple exercise. Exactly, and I, I think that is something, and we can talk about this more, but this whole thing with the sleeping glute syndrome or lazy glutes or just inactive glutes I think is very, very common among the general population of people. And then when you're a runner, you need those muscles to be functioning. And I think I'm not alone in, in probably having a problem getting those to fire and getting those to help support my running. And I think I could go so far without them working, but it clearly caught up with me. So this is a good time to bring James Koo in. James, you were one of the physical therapists that Katie met with and her experience at RunSmart. So let's talk just broadly about what Katie experienced, because I have to think that's common, not just if we're talking about hamstrings and sleeping glutes. How often is it that a runner has pain in some part of their body that's actually attributable to something else, some other breakdown that may be painless elsewhere? Uh, it's quite common, actually. Pain in the simplest sense caused by tissue damage is a byproduct of what's going on somewhere else in the body. It can be a local issue, but often it's not. One of the most challenging but fun parts of being a therapist is performing what we like to call a root cause analysis of that pain. That's essentially determining what's the main source or main driver of the pain. For example, in a case like Katie's, someone with hamstring pain, we ask ourselves, why does this person have pain? You know, maybe because their hamstrings were tight. So then we ask, why were they tight? You know, were they being overworked? 
why. Maybe it's related to overstriding. Maybe it's related to a weakness in strength as the muscle lengthens. Maybe it's related to early and prolonged activation of the hamstring. Or because their glutes were not contributing to the overall stability or mobility of the hip and pelvis as much as they should have been. You know, and so on and so forth. So you see, if we stopped at the first why, you know, she'd be stretching her hamstrings all day because they were tight, but we wouldn't really see the long-term improvement. She might get some temporary relief, but as soon as she started running again, the same pattern would emerge and the same pattern of pain. So instead, we challenge ourselves to ask the question why until, you know, we're pretty sure that we discover the main driver of the symptom. The title of the article that Katie wrote is The Whole Body Fix, and I thought that was so perfect because that really seems to get to the heart of kind of what the physical therapy mentality is and especially what you guys are doing at Run Smart. So tell me about that and tell me about that clinic specifically. Yeah, absolutely. It's a, it's a great title. You know, there is what's been coined a regional interdependence between body parts. And when somebody has pain, we need to figure out is it related to a compensation for something above or below the problem site, or can it possibly be a compensation for something occurring even on the other side? You know, physical therapists are very capable of treating a variety of musculoskeletal dysfunctions in the entire body, you know, literally from head to toe. We not only look at the individual parts, but also look at how they move and interact with each other, and that's the heart of physical therapy, you know, restoring an optimal functional movement pattern. You know, I guess the science comes from, you know, our strong foundation in anatomy, kinesiology, and applied physiology as well as, you know, evidence-based practice. So, you know, a lot of the interventions we select are not only based on scientific literature, but, you know, the clinician's experiences and what works for the patient. The art, I guess, in physical therapy comes when therapist comes up with an individualized treatment plan that often requires a bit of creativity to make the interventions meaningful to the person or runner. You know, and, and that can happen in any setting, obviously, whether you're dealing with one PT or a team of PTs. When we talk about Katie's Run Smart experience, she dealt with several PTs over this experience to really evaluate all parts of her body as a runner, where she was fit, where she wasn't. Is that sort of the typical approach at Run Smart to sort of shuttle somebody through all these physical therapists, or is it usually one physical therapist guiding the way? How does that usually work? The Run Smart Clinic is part of the Center for Musculoskeletal Care at NYU Lango Medical Center. Now, because of this, we have on hand not only state-of-the-art equipment, but several board-certified physical therapists, certified sports nutritionists, and exercise physiologists. So this is what makes our clinic unique to others. You're not just getting one person, you're getting a team, and it's a team who's interested at looking at you from multiple perspectives, but coming to an agreement as to the best course of action to improve your running. So when a runner comes in, we look not only at the pieces, but at the person as a whole. So we'll look at the individual body parts, such as your foot and ankle. We'll look at the overall movement patterns utilizing something called FMS, which is functional movement systems. A video analysis is performed of your running, and we also include a nutrition consult. So once the runner goes through each of those stations, we sit together in a, in a boardroom with the runners and review the video. And, you know, we'll point out the things that we see and make suggestions that you can take home with you that day. But it doesn't end there. In the following days, we take the time to write up a comprehensive report to reiterate the main points as well as give you instructions on how to address these issues. Now, most of the runners can take this report and work on the suggestions themselves, or some people take them to their local physical therapist and integrate their treatment plan with new suggestions. So let's go back to Katie's experience of rediscovering her butt muscles, basically, mm -hmm. or awakening them, maybe we should say. There's been so much attention in recent years, especially on, you know, shoes and stride length and forefoot strike versus heel strike and minimalist running shoes and all that. James, how significant is glute strength to the healthy gait and healthy running of a runner? Yep. Yeah, so a weakness in glute strength, which may lead to a pelvis drop as well as the knee diving inward, 
has been correlated in a variety of diagnoses affecting runners, particularly something called runner's knee or patellofemoral pain. Luckily, strengthening the glutes, as well as retraining of their movement pattern, has been shown to have positive effects on pain and function. So then somebody who has knee pain, for example, so who's suffering from runner's knee, and this goes back to Katie's experience with her hamstring, the last thing they're going to think is, you know, my glutes are the problem. So obviously this shows the value of seeing a physical therapist and getting that exam, but is there a simple sort of self-test that somebody can do to test their glute strength and see if sleeping glutes could be the problem? Yeah, that's a great question. There's no one perfect test that evaluates the function of the glutes, but a quick way would be to stand in front of a chair, ideally in front of a mirror, and essentially do a one-legged squat in front of the chair. You want to focus on getting your hips back into the chair rather than letting your knees come forward and see if you're able to complete the task. Now, it's not only whether or not you can complete the task, but you also want to think about what your body is doing. You know, if you're looking in the mirror, is your belt line relatively level or is your pelvis dropping on one side? Are your kneecaps pointing forward or are they diving inward? Are you able to maintain your trunk relatively upright or is it leaning toward the left or right side? Are your arms relatively steady or are they flailing around to help you regain balance? It's not only whether or not you can do the movement, but can you do this with good motor control? So strength is not the end-all, be-all. It's one component of it. You know, there's other components such as you know, the timing of the muscles and your ability to control the motion. Katie, before we talk about what you went through to try and solve this problem, let's really underline again the difficulty in detecting it. So when you go back to that moment that you're laying on the table and you're lifting your leg back, I mean, you believe at that point that your glutes are involved in the process, right? Yes, that was the eye-opening aha moment for me, being asked to do something that seemed so simple. Never mind lifting my leg. I couldn't even squeeze my butt laying on a table, which is shocking. So having that test done was just really what I needed mentally. I mean, going back to talking about the the title of this story, The Whole Body Fix, I found this experience was just as mentally challenging as it was physically challenged because I really had to come to terms with mistakes I had been making. And a lot of the mistakes I'd been making in the past was not following through on rehab and taking kind of a half-hearted approach to my recovery and continuing to run and race, even though it was detrimental to me to getting better. And so I think that stubborn approach that, that I was taking, and I think a lot of runners fall into that same mindset where we put our running and our miles first and other things second, that was a really great moment moment for me and I, it was a hard moment for me to, to admit to but it was an important moment for me to discover like okay I have a serious problem here that has to get resolved. Well yeah and there's a sidebar in the article for example where you list various things you tried everything from you saw a chiropractor you tried massage all those things and, and one of them was physical therapy and you say that you had short-term results and as much as anything the problem seemed to be that you didn't sort of continue with the recipe that got you better in the short term is that right? That's absolutely right. Yes, I saw the the very same physical therapist locally that I had saw this round, and I'm I'm getting really great positive results right now. I saw him after I had my first child, and I was having some issues, and I ran a great marathon. I was very happy with my performance and how I did. So I thought, okay, I'm cured. I'll just go back to running all the time, and I slacked off on doing the basic strength training exercises that I now realize need to be part of my routine. They're just as essential as a training run if I want to continue to run healthy. So yeah, this whole experience really made me realize what got me injured was not just faulty mechanics in my body, but also my approach. And I needed to become more serious about wanting to stay injury-free. 
So let's go back to this run smart experience. You discover that your glutes aren't activating. You learn that on the table, and then, of course, mm-hmm. you sit at the board table, and you, you get the full breakdown of, of everything that's going on. What does your treatment program then look like? So my experience was a little bit different in that I live in Pennsylvania, and I was going to the NYU clinic in Manhattan. So typically, if I would have lived closer and and could get into the clinic on a regular basis, I would have just sought out treatment from James and his colleagues. But because I'm about two hours away from the city, I took the report home to a local physical therapist, which is what's so great about the Run Smart clinic. You can get treated there, but when I left there, I think I had a 31-page report detailing everything, every little detail about my flawed mechanics and also a link to my running video analysis. So I could go to a local physical therapist and hand that to him. And he was wonderful and diligent, but his work was kind of done for him already. I just kind of handed him this dossier on Katie the runner and, and he could take off right from there. So I think that really helped. I saw great results in my therapy locally. And I think a big reason why was because I had my therapy at home locally was based on this really extensive testing and evaluation. The takeaway there, too, for people that may not live by one of these large clinics is that if they just get through the screening process, you know, it may pay off. They can still do the training elsewhere if if they're not living in that area. So what did the treatment involve in terms of reactivating your glutes and getting Mm -hmm. healthier? Yeah, it was pretty basic. I was surprised, and now it makes a whole lot of sense. I started with really three basic, basic exercises, and the main one that we really focused a lot of time on and is mentioned in the sidebar in the article is the clamshell. And the clamshell is such a good exercise, I've learned, because it really, it seems to me, I'm not a physical therapist, but it seems to me it is the one exercise that, when done correctly, it really targets the gluteus medius, which is the smaller part of your gluteal muscle group. And that was really key for me because when I run, I was experiencing a very significant pelvic drop. And as I understand it, my weak gluteus medius was really significantly responsible for my pelvic drop. And then my pelvic drop, that can cause all kinds of issues all the way down the chain. So it was really important to target that and and strengthen that. And what was shocking to me was I could not do a clamshell correctly. And I work at Runner's World. I edit these types of stories about injury prevention and give instructions to readers all the time on how to do exercises. So I, I feel like I, I'm a little bit knowledgeable about proper form. And But then when it came to me lying down on a table, my physical therapist had to routinely adjust me and get me in the proper position. I was taking the lazy way out. And as I understand it, as he explained it to me, was that your body always is trying to compensate and make things easier for you. That's what your body is designed to do. And so my body just kind of kept shifting into these old flawed movement patterns to help me lift my leg and I wasn't targeting the right muscle. So it really started with just the clamshell initially and just going into my local clinic and having my physical therapist take a real hands-on approach and, and help me get into the right position so that eventually I could do it correctly on my own. And we did some planks and some bridges, and that was how I started. And I learned it was about getting the proper form, and it was about being mindful and making sure I was activating and squeezing the right muscle group to do the movement properly. And I think another part of the runner's mindset is runners are into numbers, and we think running six miles is better than running three miles, or in doing an exercise, doing 20 reps is better than doing 10 reps, but in my experience, I learned that you need to do those 10 reps 
perfectly with perfect form, and that's more important than trying to do 20 reps in a sloppy manner where you're not really working your muscles effectively. So we just started with really basic exercises and I did those religiously once a day. Some days if I could, I was doing them twice a day, trying to exercise the muscle to fatigue. And I was challenged. I had a sore butt afterwards. So that was a good sign. It, it let me know that I was getting it right and I, w I was really recruiting the right muscles. Yeah, let's stick with the clamshells for just a second. And as you said, this is a seemingly simple exercise, and, and if you do it the wrong way, you can do a bunch of them. So what was kind of the focus point for you? What was the, the way that you could focus in and realize you were doing the right clamshell, the correct way? Right, that's a great question. Part of it was just being very mindful and seeing a physical therapist who took the time to educate me and letting me know exactly where I should be feeling discomfort and where I should be feeling the activation of the muscles. And when I was lying down doing the move, if I was really focused on it, I might do two or three and realize, no, I don't have my form right because I'm paying attention and I'm really feeling for where I should be feeling the activation. And then I would adjust my form and to get it right. Now I can pretty much lie down and get it right from the get-go, but it really took a little bit of trial and error and me intervening with myself and stopping myself and saying, wait, no, this doesn't feel right. This is a little too easy for me. I can't be in the right position. And in the beginning, what was really helpful too is my physical therapist had me do the move with my back and my, my butt up against a wall. So I would focus on keeping my lower butt cheek in contact with the wall and my top butt cheek not having contact with the wall because that was the mistake I was making. I didn't have enough forward lean and I was having my hips a little bit too stacked, which wasn't targeting the muscles correctly. So that trick helped me, if you can visualize that. But also just, I think the main thing was just being mindful, recognizing what I should be feeling. And if it's too easy and if I'm not feeling it, something's a little bit wrong and I should check my form. James, Katie's experience was, was a little bit different in that she goes to the clinic in New York, but she lives in Pennsylvania. That said, it's pretty common for the physical therapy to not be exclusively in the clinic, for the patient to take it home, to need to be responsible for their own treatment. And from Katie's previous experience, too, we saw how she didn't continue with the exercises that made her better, and then the, the injuries returned. So how, from a physical therapist's perspective, how important is it that they take that work home and really apply it there? Oh, it's very essential. Physical therapy requires a partnership between the therapist and the patient. If there's some underlying biomechanical issue, the physical therapist can address this by using various hands-on techniques such as joint mobilization, manipulation, soft tissue mobilization, or uh, retraining techniques. But then our job as a physical therapist is also to help the patient help themselves, to educate them on how to self-manage, how to do the exercises correctly, as Katie mentioned. And this is for the patient's benefit because from session to session, you want to see carryover of all the gains that you made with the physical therapist. And, you know, if you continue this, you'll definitely see long-term progress over a given time. So, you know, if you think about the medical model, you know, a medical doctor will prescribe medicine to address a particular patient issue. But, you know, in the end, it's really the patient's responsibility to fill the prescription at their pharmacy, and take the medicine at the prescribed intervals. So likewise, you know, here at the Run Smart Clinic and in physical therapy clinics all over the U.S., we look at the patient, we prescribe specific exercises, and in the end, we hope that the patients do all the exercises diligently, much as Katie did, and we see progress. 
there are so many injuries that a runner can get, and if there weren't, you guys wouldn't need to do a big full-body evaluation like Katie went through. That said, with runners, are there specific areas where they break down, or do you have any sort of golden rule advice that, you know, if runners at least focus on these couple things, that, that it tends to lead to a healthier runner? Sure, yeah. In seeing a lot of runners, you know, you see common trends among all of them. Usually, the first point I would say is that you need to prepare the body to be able to handle the stresses of running. You know, all too often we see runners attempt too much in too little of a time frame and not really giving their body to adapt to the stresses. You know, cross-training or strength training is very important to help the body react to all the loads placed upon it with running. And, you know, strength training has been actually shown to improve a runner's economy, in, particularly in distance runners. You know, when you're in pain, I usually like to reiterate to runners that they need to be mindful of their form. So usually I'll give them a mental checklist to do while they're running. So it starts from the feet and then works the way up to the head. As they're running, they think, are their feet landing under their body? Make sure they don't overstride. Make sure that their legs don't cross what we call the midline of the body or the middle of the body. Moving up toward the knees, are their knees facing forward or are they diving inward? Ideally, you want them pointing forward. For the hips, are you able to engage your glutes and hold your pelvis level? Is your core gently engaged? Is your body relatively upright, you know, not excessively bent forward from the hip or waist? For the arm swings, are they relatively symmetrical? Are your shoulders relaxed? Some runners toward the end of their runs, their shoulders are all shrugged up toward their ears. Is the breathing nice and controlled? And with the eyes, usually I have them pick a distant stationary object and watch it oscillate. You know, is it jumping up and down a lot? And if so, you know, that's a lot of wasted energy going vertically. Ideally, you want the energy to propel the runner forward. So as you're picking this distant stationary object and watching it oscillate, you, you want to try to minimize it. And it's almost hypnotic. You can watch it, kind of tune out, enjoy the run. And when you tune back in, you know, you can run through the checklist again. And lastly, if you're not really sure of your form, it's always great to get in a running assessment. You know, if you're in the area or can get to Manhattan, you know, we'd love to have you here at the NYU Langone Run Smart Clinic. If not, you know, you find someone that works a lot with runners and can give recommendations individualized to you. In doing this Run Smart Clinic, it's always amazing to hear people's reaction when they see themselves running. Sometimes there's a disconnect between their perception of how they look when they're running and what they actually look like. Well, and that's important to say, too. This shows the difference between seeing a physical therapist and doing, say, slow-motion video versus hopping on the treadmill at a shoe store with somebody that knows all the name brands of the shoes but may not have any medical training whatsoever, right? Indeed, yeah. A lot of running happens so quickly that you may not be able to capture it with the naked eye. So having these high-speed video cameras enables us to really to break down the running motion and see the influences on each body part. So, Katie, you leave the Run Smart Clinic. You've got this big, fat report on everything you need to know about your running, whether you wanted to know it or not, basically. And you put a lot of energy into something simple, which is a clamshell, and, and it's focusing on your glute strength. In the end, has that been the secret, or did you break it down and take it into other things like stride length or shoe fit or anything like that, or was it really about awakening those sleeping glutes? It honestly has all been about my glutes, and maybe other people might have different experiences depending on what their report revealed. I was lucky that my report revealed, you know, I was wearing the proper running shoe. I think probably working at Runner's World helped with that. I was in the right kind of shoe for my foot type, and I wasn't having any kind of lower leg pain or, or anything else. It was all central to my one area, my hamstring. So targeting my glutes has been 
the real key to my recovery. And I'm still in recovery. I'm still just starting to build back up my mileage, but I feel stronger. I feel a little bit tighter in a good way. I guess I feel like my pelvis, it's strange. The, the video analysis was so helpful. I had no idea. I had this really significant, horrible pelvic drop that once I saw it, I was like, wow. And I, I'm not a trained physical therapist, but I could see that and know it was problematic before anybody pointed that out to me. And I just feel, I can tell I'm running on a more stable foundation now. And one thing that was really valuable as well, that I had the opportunity to go back up for a reevaluation. So during my second trip to the clinic at the reevaluation, they were able to tell me that, you know, I had made some great improvement. And so during my treadmill analysis, the second time, they had me work in some running cues which were really, really helpful. And I've been doing those at home very frequently. And I think that the running cues are just helping me carry over what I'm doing in the clinic or what I'm doing in physical therapy and putting it into my running gait and my running movement. So I'm focusing on trying to contract my glutes as my foot hits the ground and kind of pushing off and trying to think about powering my running movement coming from my glutes. And I did a three-mile run recently just on a flat treadmill, which typically would not cause me any kind of discomfort or soreness aside from my troublesome hamstring. And the next day, my glutes were sore. I was walking up the stairs. I'm like, oh my gosh, I can't believe my butt is sore from a three-mile flat treadmill run at a very relaxed, slow pace. And so that was a nice little victory for me. I I was like, wow, I must have been really activating my glutes on that run. So I'm really satisfied with how far I've come. So let's go back again to the title of the article and the whole body fix. You mentioned again how this was mentally taxing as much as physical. To come out on the other side of it, how much mental relief is there in addition to the physical? Oh, it's huge. I had been dealing with this for a really, really long time. And I have a lot of other things going on in my life. I've mentioned I have two little kids and I have their activities and I have a full-time job and I just kind of got to the point where I thought, okay, well, if I can't run marathons anymore, that's okay. There's worse problems in the world. But it was starting to get to the point where I was wondering, will I be able to run half marathons anymore? And I was starting to feel like I might have to give that up. And then I think I was just starting to fall apart like dominoes. And when you love an activity so much, like I, I love running, you really you want to just be able to do it and enjoy it and have it feel good. I didn't really care about times or performances, but I, I just didn't want to be in pain doing it. And it's one thing if you decide, make a conscious decision like, hey, the marathon's no longer for me. I'm kind of did that, done that. I'm going to move on to some other things. But I didn't feel like I was making that decision for myself. I felt like my hamstring pain was making that decision for me, which isn't really fair. And and I just kind of accepted that maybe that's okay. This is just my running body and I'm not meant to do this anymore. So going to Run Smart and having them tell me that, hey, your marathon days don't have to be over and this is completely fixable. You just have to embrace the rehab and work hard. It's it's not easy. That was just such a relief to know like, okay, this, this can be fixed. This can be resolved. Katie McDonald Knights, James Koo, thank you so much. Thank you. Thank this you. was great. Thank you for having me. For numerous resources on healthy running and rehabilitating from common running injuries, visit move4pt.com slash running. Listen to more episodes of this podcast on move4pt.com or via iTunes. And please follow us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at moveforwardpt. I'm Jason Bellamy. Thanks for listening. Thank you for listening to Move Forward Radio. Insight from our guests is for informational purposes only and should not be used as a substitute for individual treatment by a medical professional. 
Learn more about how a physical therapist can help you and find a physical therapist in your area at moveforwardpt.com. For an archive of past episodes, visit moveforwardpt.com slash radio.